Hey, welcome to week number one of our brand new series that we're calling Plot Twist. Thank you so much for joining us on our online campus today. Uh, before we get started, uh, I just want to say thank you to you, Valley family. Uh, my family and I have just experienced so much love uh, and, and your prayers and sympathy uh, at the passing of my father, the founding pastor of Valley Christian Church. And uh, your prayers have been powerful, and, and they really have been felt. So from the bottom of my heart, just want to really thank you all uh, on behalf of myself, my siblings, uh, my wife Susie, and our extended family as well. I uh, just can't tell you how much, uh, how, how grateful we are uh, for you. And, I, and I'll be talking about Dad a little bit uh, in the message today in, in just a minute. But uh, we are going to have a memorial service uh, for my father here at Valley Christian Church. It's going to be sometime in March. Uh, I talked to my stepmom. She asked if it could be in March instead of February just to give her a little bit more time because uh, she would definitely, she definitely wants to be here. Uh, so you can just uh, uh, keep a lookout for that date and we'll be letting that announcing that uh, pretty soon. Uh, also, just a reminder, men, this is the last week here to, to sign up for Men's Breakfast. You can pick up one of these awesome Valley Adidas hats at the Men's Breakfast, and uh, also the cost goes up uh, the closer that we get to the actual breakfast. It's going to be fantastic time there on Saturday morning, so make sure that you sign up. The, like I said, going to have to pay more if you show up and you didn't sign up uh, at the door there, and we don't want that to happen. And so uh, we're kicking off this brand new series called Plot Twist. And, you know, I think some of us right now are in the middle uh, of a plot twist. Uh, maybe you're, you're single and you thought at this point in your life that you'd be married. Uh, maybe struggling with uh, infertility, uh, perhaps anxiety and depression. Or, or maybe you find yourself divorced and never thought that you would be at this time in your life. Uh, maybe your marriage is kind of in a detour. It's not what you thought it was going to be. And uh, it seems like you're just kind of getting through day by day, but really not connecting heart to heart. Maybe you, you've got a new career uh, that you never thought you'd be working that kind of job uh, at this point. It's not what you saw for your life. You, you know, or maybe you just feel spiritually lost, uh, you know, and you, and you think back... Uh, what your dreams were when you were like 17 years old, and maybe for some of us it's not that long ago, uh, but for some of us it is kind of a, a long time ago, and what your life looks like right now is not what you dreamed it would be when you were 17. Uh, in fact, uh, put up a little picture here. This is yours truly at 17 years old, and man, uh, First of all, I just want to mention, I am going to have hair like that in heaven. I've told my wife that, those beautiful blonde locks feathered back like that, 1980-something right there. But, uh, you know, that, what I'm doing today, where I am, what my life looks like, is not at all what I thought it was going to be like when that little Greg 1.7 uh, was thinking about the future yet to come. A lot of plot twists that have happened in my life since then, and I've shared some of those, you know, in, in the past as well. Uh, some of the plot twists that we experience in life, uh, sometimes they don't have anything to do with us. Sometimes they have to do with our family. Uh, and, and right now, maybe you're either in the middle of a plot twist, you're coming out of a plot twist, or you may be about to experience a plot twist. Uh, we're going to look at plot twist in the Bible and and 
Almost every single person that God uses in a significant way in the scripture has experienced or did experience one, two, sometimes many plot twists. And when I think about this, we're going to learn how to deal with these plot twists in our lives really, really well and even learn how to thrive in the middle of them. And when I think about plot twists, there's no greater example in all the Bible, I, I think, that when we look at the life of Joseph, and that's what we're going to be looking at. This is week one of five weeks uh, as we kind of drill down deep into his life because his was just one plot twist after another. But kind of in this introductory message, let me give you a definition for plot twist. And, and this is in your notes uh, on our Valley website, valleyny.cc, under message notes. You can follow along, add your own notes to it. Uh, and, and then email them to yourself and save them forever. So as we start off week number one, let me give you a definition for plot twist. Plot twist is a change in your plans that God uses to develop our character and wisdom so we live the life he created us for. So many times we have our own plans and then things happen and like, how did I end up here? This was not what I anticipated. That's a good definition of plot twist. And, and, and again, uh, when I think about plot twists, probably the one that experienced plot twists more than anyone is Joseph in the Bible. And you can read the story of Joseph. In fact, I encourage you to do that during our series, these five weeks, in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. Now, what's pretty interesting, in the book of Genesis, Joseph gets more time, there's more uh, told about him than, than about Noah, than about Adam and Eve, than about Abraham, than about Isaac or Jacob. Joseph gets the most airtime in the book of Genesis. And you kind of get the idea that maybe God really was like, listen, we can all learn something from the life of Joseph, that life doesn't go necessarily the way that we plan, that God has a few plot twists, and he's orchestrating some things to really develop our character, develop our wisdom, so that we can live the life that he created us for. So let's jump into the story of Joseph, and I want to kind of uh, walk through this so we get an idea. Maybe you're not as familiar uh, with who he was. This is not Joseph that is Jesus's stepfather this is Joseph in the Old Testament the son of Jacob so in Genesis chapter 37 uh, verse 2 the Bible says Joseph a young man of 17 so there it was that's why I used that picture of me at 17 asked you to think about how what your dreams were at 17 years old so it says Joseph a young man of 17 was tending the flocks with his brothers the son of Benai and the son of Zilpah his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, a little bit of background here about Joseph. Uh, his father, Jacob, had several wives, and he had kids by many of those wives. Joseph was the the child of Joseph's favorite wife, made it real clear, Rachel, that was his favorite wife, and Joseph was the son of his favorite wife, and, and so there was all kinds of sibling rivalry that was going on. Joseph was really daddy's boy, and, and, and the first thing that we find here is that Joseph was a tattletale. Joseph was a snitch, and we all know, right? Snitches get stitches, and we're going to find out Joseph got more than stitches uh, because of his snitching, but he's snitching on his older brothers tattling to daddy. And then verse 3, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. And, and so this was like very, very obvious he was dad's favorite. 
because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made him an ornate robe for him. Now, what's interesting here is, first of all, there's favoritism. And, and, and let me just say this. This is kind of like uh, uh, one of the worst things that you can do uh, as a parent is show favoritism to one child over the other. It causes all kinds of problems in the Bible. We see in, in parents that do that. It causes all kinds of problems in Joseph's life. It causes all kinds of problems in the world and in families today, playing favorites like that. But... Uh, it says, Dad loved Joseph more than his other brothers. In other words, David, uh, I'm sorry, Dad took Joseph's brothers shopping at Goodwill, and, and they took Joseph shopping at Gucci. I mean, that's literally what happened. He showed favoritism so much so that he, he made him an ornate robe. Now, let me kind of explain back in, in biblical times here. Uh, people would wear robes, and generally they'd get about 10 feet of fabric thereabouts, they basically would cut a center hole in it. You put your head through the middle, and then it would kind of hang down. It was open on the sides. Maybe you'd get a belt to kind of tie it together, and that was pretty much what you had. That was the, the clothing, a robe. But, but this word ornate, sometimes you hear like the Broadway show, you know, Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Uh, the Bible, this word ornate doesn't necessarily mean it was different colors. could have been, but what it means is it, it was more complicated. So reality, Joseph probably not only had that, that one piece with the hole cut in it, but in reality probably had sleeves sewn on it too because it was otherwise open and, and may have had some stitching and some piping on it as well. So when Joseph's hanging out with his brothers, it is very clear, I'm daddy's favorite, you're not. And they're just constantly being reminded of this because Jacob gave him this ornate robe that Joseph was the favorite. He loved him more than he loved the others. Like I said, Dad took Joseph's brothers to Goodwill to get their clothes and took old Joe to Gucci. Uh, and Joseph was the original hipster. I guess you could look at it that way. Uh, and, and this also represented, this ornate robe, it, it also would represent in that culture and time that Jacob had decided, or Israel, as he's also called in the Bible, Joseph's going to get the biggest inheritance. In other words, when, when he passes, when Israel, uh, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, when, when he passes, daddy passes, Joseph's going to get the greater inheritance. That's a sign of that authority, uh, that the, the crown prince, in a way, uh, that ornate robe. And so in Genesis 37, verse 4, it said, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Not a single word that was kind. We talked about that in our last series, Throwing Shade, and oh, by the way, did my wife Susie just kill it last week? I mean, that was a phenomenal message, that message on whatever, and if you didn't hear it, you need to. It's on our website. Mind-blowing. We had almost 1,000 people just online that, that viewed that, and uh, you definitely need to go check that out if you haven't done that. No question, I married up. I'll kick my coverage when I married her. But uh, back to the story here of Joseph, that, that his brothers couldn't even speak a kind word to him. And let me just say this, parents, about showing favoritism, uh, and, and I like to say this, I said this actually at my daughter's wedding, Michaela, when she got married. You know, we have three daughters, and, and Susie and I, we, we love all of our kids equally, but we don't love them the same. And, and I think that's what eliminates favoritism. 
love your kids equally but not the same because they're not the same. And so just be careful that, that you don't ever show an inequity. Love them all the same equally to one child over another because it produces all kinds of real awful, painful, heartbreaking things in the life of a parent when we do show favoritism to one and not to the other. Let me just say this. You know, Joseph was far from perfect. I think it's important to understand the story here. Uh, when, When you read the story, Joseph was entitled, Joseph was prideful, and Joseph was a boastful young man. No question about it. He, he, he was bragging, really, yet, you know, as he's wearing his robe around, I'm daddy's favorite. He, he felt a sense of entitlement. He felt like he was probably, you know, you can see it as you read the story, probably better, superior to his brothers because of the favoritism that was shown him. Then look at verse 5, Genesis 37, verse 5. It said, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. So, so Joseph's like, not only does he have this ornate robe, but he's like, hey, God gave me a dream. And you know what the dream was? And he was so arrogant, he was so entitled, he was so full of pride and boastful, he went to his brothers that already hated him and said, God spoke to me in a dream. One day, you're all going to bow down to me. How about that? How do you think that went over? Not very well at all. And and then he ends up having, and they hated him all the more. Then he has a second dream, and in that dream, he saw his mom and dad bowing down to him as well. So not only are my brothers going to bow down to me, mom and dad are going to bow down to me. And he tells his parents that as well. He's entitled, arrogant, prideful, and boastful. And what we're going to find is, He goes through some plot twists, and that's not the man he comes out on the other side. But but God had to, just was orchestrating some plot twists to bring about a development in his character and also in his wisdom to get him in the place and to live the life that God created him for. Boy, there's so much we can learn from this story of Joseph. And so the Bible actually says that, that literally Joseph, he, he didn't even most of the time go out and work in the fields with his brothers. He stayed home with daddy because he's daddy's boy. He was the favorite son. And, and so dad sends him out to actually check on his brothers at work in the fields just, just to see, you know, as, as they're, they're uh, out there, just to make sure that they're not messing around because he knew, hey, Joseph's already tattled on him. He'll tell me the truth again if they're not doing what it is that I need them to do. And so he sent him out to find his brothers who were supposed to be hard at work. And look at verse 17 through 18. So Joseph went out after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they, when they, but they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. See, that's what favoritism does. It, it creates hate in the life of the other children when we show favoritism to one of our children, when there's an inequity, when we don't love them the same, but differently, but love them all same and equally. Because they're individuals. That's why we don't love them the same, but we do love them all equally. And so they plot, literally, to kill that little daddy's favorite. And it goes on in verse 23, and it says, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe. They tore that very special robe off him, probably stripped him naked. 
that ornate robe uh, that he was wearing, and they took him and they threw him into the cistern, and the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. So just think about this. They probably ended up beating him up some as they're stripping this robe off of him, and then they throw him into an empty well. Now, now what that means is, is great he didn't drown, but, but that probably injured him as well. Bang, as he hits the bottom. He's beaten, he's bloodied, He's naked, he's probably injured. Plot twist, plot twist right there. Plot twist when you have this dream that God gives you, God speaks to you and goes, oh, your siblings are all going to bow down to you. Oh, mom and dad are going to bow down to you. And now you find yourself at the bottom of a well, naked, beaten, bloody, and bruised. Plot twist. How is this possible that God was still on his side? How is it possible that anything's going to work out? Instead of killing him, one of his brothers, Judah, decides, you know, he, he offers up, let's not kill him, but instead let's just sell him into slavery. You know, he is still our brother, so maybe we shouldn't murder him. But let's just sell him into slavery, and in fact, that's what they did. Slave traders were coming by, and and they sold him into slavery. Verse 36, Genesis 37. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph into Egypt, in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, and the captain of the guard. This is a 300-mile journey distance from Dothan, where his brothers were, 300 miles into Egypt, another nation, a foreign land. That's where Joseph finds himself. Daddy's favorite, bottom of a well, now a slave in Egypt. Plot twist after plot twist, and we're just kind of like starting on this story uh, of Joseph. Let let me share with you this introductory message really uh, about the whole idea that God is fulfilling his purpose in Joseph's life, even in the middle of plot twists. And he's fulfilling his purpose in your life as well, even in the middle of a plot twist you may be going through right now, the plot twist of the last two years that we've all gone through. So many twists and turns. God's still fulfilling his purpose. Four uh, plot twist patterns. These are patterns that you can see in your life, I can see them in my life, and, and, and maybe, maybe it's time for us to recognize it because God is still large and in charge. He's still in control even though we have some plot twists. The first is this. Plot twists can be caused by three different things. There's really three different ways that plot twists come. First, our own bad choices. Could, could be our own decisions that, that we make. You know, most of the regrets I have in my life, not because it's what someone did to me, it's what I did to myself, our own bad decisions and choices, or other people's sins affecting us. Uh, it, you can see that for sure in the life of Joseph with his brothers. Or the third one is God's divine hand directing us. Sometimes we don't see it in the moment, but it's actually God's divine hand that's actually getting us to where he wants us to be. Those are plot twist patterns right there. And kind of interesting, fast forward in the story of Joseph to the end, and we'll talk a lot about the ones in between uh, over the next few weeks. Next week we're going to talk about temptation as we see it in the life of Joseph and how we can stand and resist temptation and how God honors that. 
But for today, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, what happens is Joseph ends up, uh, uh, without giving too much of the story away, he ends up at the right hand of Pharaoh himself, the most powerful man in the world. There's a great famine that, that happens throughout the world at that time. Joseph's brothers come to Egypt to get some supplies uh, because they're literally starving to death. And, and Joseph was the one that, that really had the wisdom to store up the supplies in Egypt. And he reveals himself to his brothers. And, and chances are he was in his 50s at this point. So think about it. The last time they saw him, he was 17. Now he's in his 50s. And, and in Genesis chapter 50, uh, they're scared to death of their life because now their brother, Joseph, is the second most powerful man on the planet next only to Pharaoh himself. And, and, and they're scared for their lives. They're fe- in fear for their lives. And, and, and look at what Joseph says in Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended, God intended it for good to accomplish what, he is now, what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Huge shift in perspective. Joseph's gone through plot twist after plot twist, unexpected situations and circumstances, and yet his character's been developed. Wisdom has been developed. He's now seeing his life through a different lens. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. Different lens. And he says, you meant to harm me, but God was directing all of this so that many people's lives would be saved. In, in other words, three times here in, in Genesis 50, Joseph tells his brothers, God sent me here. God sent me. God sent me. God sent me to this place for this purpose. In, in other words, you sold me into slavery, but God sent me here. You thought you were doing that, but God used that plot twist to get me to where I was going. God sent me. And so many times in my life and in your life, we we look at what we're going through and and we have to decide, are we going to be a victim or are we going to be a victor? And Joseph decided, I'm not going to take on the identity of a victim. We're just touching on today all the stuff that he went through. It goes a lot deeper and a lot worse things that he experienced. But he made the decision I'm going to be a victor. I'm going to overcome all the plot twists in my life, and I'm going to continue to serve God faithfully. And then he had that perspective. You sold me into slavery. God sent me here to save so many peoples of lives. So I guess my question for you today is this. Are you a victim? Are you a victor? People have gone through what you went through. People have gone through the same stuff I've gone through. But I have to make that choice. Every experience that I experience in this life is not unique to Greg Williamson. Everything you've ever experienced, you're not not the only one. You're not unique in that sense. Whatever you've gone through in your life, as, as painful and as much hurt and heartache and rejection and betrayal, you can find someone else who went through the same thing. But they made the choice to be a victor. Instead of deciding... I'm going to be a victim. Joseph said, you sold me, but God sent me. You thought it was you. It was him. Can you imagine if we begin to see plot twists in our lives 
that others meant for evil that God was actually using for good to accomplish his will. This is so hard, like I said, because the number one activity in our culture and world today is the blame game. Blame everybody else, but don't take personal responsibility for anything in our lives. That victim mentality is so common today, but the reality is no one who is a victim that has a victim mentality, woe is me, everybody did all this stuff to me, will ever rise to become a victor unless you put it behind. So I guess the question is, if you'd say, yeah, that really is me, a victim mentality instead of a victor, how long are you going to stay a victim? How long are you going to blame People that did things to you 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or even last year, or last month, for the decisions now that you're making today in the present moment. How long? In in the New Testament, Romans chapter 8, God speaks to you and to me through Paul the apostle, and he says in Romans 8, 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is for you. So so who can really be against you? Then he goes on in, in verse 37 of Romans 8 and says, no, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Understand this, that when we choose to have a victim identity and mentality, we are living below what Jesus Christ came to give you and me through his sinless life, his sacrificial death on the cross and his resurrection. We are more than conquerors. That's God's desire for you. That's God's desire for me. Not just to be even an overcomer or a conqueror. More than a conqueror. Not a victim, a victor. In all these things, we're more than conquerors, how? Through him who loved us. Only God can give us that power to overcome these things. But he does want to give you and me that power to be more than conquerors. Last little bit in Romans that I want to mention because I think it's so powerful. The next verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 38. It says, for I am convinced, this is for you and for me, I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor breadth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When when Joseph was in his father's house with the ornate robe, he had the love of God. When Joseph was at the bottom of a pit, he had the love of God. When Joseph was in the palace of Pharaoh, he had the love of God on him. And all the steps in between, every plot twist he experienced, and every plot twist that you experience in your life, and I experience in my life, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. And if we can just begin to live that way, realizing I don't understand this plot twist, I don't understand what's happening, God, but I'm going to trust you, that you are in control, and I'm going to lean into you, We'll live the life that God created for you and me. Come plot twist 14 or 27 in my life. We will live the life that God intended 
for each and every one of us. Second pattern of plot twist, and that was the longest one of the patterns, but I wanted to spend a little time on that. The second plot twist is this. God uses plot twists for our development. God uses plot twists in your life, my life, Joseph's life, to develop us. That, that's part of plot twist. If, if, think about it for a minute. If God wanted to use your life for something great in the world, can he really do it if you and I are full of pride and boastful and have entitled attitudes? Absolutely not. No way. That, that's one of the great concerns, I think, as I see you know, our culture just moving more and more towards entitlement and, and victimization and all of these things. It's really, God really has a difficult time working powerfully through someone's life in a great way when we're full of pride and entitlement and everybody owes me. Really difficult for God to work through a prideful heart. And that's why God had to humble Joseph, allow some plot twists in his life so that he could use him greatly. See, you can have growth or you can have comfort. Let me just say that again. You can have growth in your life, but growth always happens outside the comfort zone. You can't have comfort and growth together. You can have growth or you can have comfort, but you rarely grow while you're comfortable. Rarely do you grow while you're comfortable. You know, just recently, uh, Susie and I were kind of talking. Uh, uh, next weekend, our, our great friend, Pastor Yuri Simonyuk, and, and his wife, Oksana, are going to be with us, and you don't want to miss that. He's going to bring a special greeting from our sister church in Transnistria, uh, Taraspol, Transnistria. And, and Susie and I were just talking. I mean, there was, a, there was a, about 18 years of our married life where I refused to go outside the United States. I was afraid. I was very comfortable. I wanted to stay comfortable. And then, you know, she was praying. Susie was praying because it was really in her heart long before she met me to 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 impact people internationally, globally, as a missionary. And, and, and finally, we went on that first trip. I met Pastor Yuri back in 2007 and, uh, and gave him my word that we'd come to visit him. I didn't know it at the time. Taraspol, Transnistria, it's one of the most dangerous places on the earth. And so here was this guy, Greg Williamson, in my comfort zone, I never want to leave. Now, we, we, we've gone there so many times. <laughs> They're our sister church. Now they, they come here sometimes too, and I'm kind of grateful for that right now, but we were just watching something the other night on television. They were just talking about Taraspol Transnistria, one of the most dangerous places on the earth. And Susie and I looked at each other and we're like, oh, we've only been there like nine times, that's all. I wouldn't be the person I am today if I'd stayed in my comfort zone. And, and, and the growth comes when you're not comfortable, and I wasn't comfortable, but, but man, I just love, we've just grown to love those folks there so much, and that's why it is like a sister church to us. You, you can have growth, or you can have comfort, but you rarely grow while you're comfortable. God uses plot twists for our own development, and I'm a, I, I think I'm a, I, I know I'm a better person, kinder, gentler, God's done more in my life. It, it, it's almost like we feel like, you know, God's given us a measure of grace for over there when we're there just as much as leading the church here when we're here. It, it, it's kind of like our, our home away from home in this 
most dangerous place on the earth. We love those folks. But we only found that out outside my comfort zone. Growth outside the comfort zone. Here's, here's the third thing, pattern about plot twists. Plot twists often reroute us to a different destination that God has for us. Plot twists often reroute us to a different destination than God has for us. When I see that picture of Greg Williamson at 17, man, I never thought in my 50s I'd be here in New York pastoring this church for almost 32 years now coming up. I, I didn't see that. I never considered that. God knew. How many of you, just, just think about this, how, how many of you met your spouse because of a breakup in another relationship? Painful hurt, and then different destination, plot twist. How many, I, I know some of you started a business because something bad happened and, and uh, you got let go of at another business. Entrepreneurs. How many are in a different career today because you got passed over for that promotion where you once worked and like, okay, and it's a different career path completely than maybe you even went to school for, went to college for? Plot twists often reroute us to different destinations that God has for us. And here's the fourth pattern in plot twists. Plot twists almost never come pain-free. Almost never come pain-free. You, you know, I don't know, Susie and I, we like to road trip, you, you know, not as much as we used to, but like eight hours down to Virginia to see our girls. We, you know, we kind of look forward to that and all. And, and never once when we're on a road trip and, and Susie's always like watching the navigation on her phone and I got it on the car and then she's telling me what, so I have three female voices telling me what to do all the time and, and, and she's like, uh-oh, we've got a delay up ahead 45-minute delay, but we can take this detour. It's never like, yeah, that's awesome. I love detours. No, no one is like that. If you go on a road trip, like, yes, we got to slow down of an hour and 20 minutes. Super. It's like that with plot twists. No one, no one enjoys those things. Plot twists almost never come pain-free. There's always a delay. There, there's always some some inconvenience, there's always some friction, there's always some frustration when it comes to plot twists. For God to move you to the next level, things often get worse before they get better. Let me just say that again. For God to move you, for God to move me to the next level, things often get worse before they get better. We're going to see that so clearly as we journey along with Joseph over the next few weeks. See, John Maxwell, I love John Maxwell, great leadership, he, uh, empower of leadership, and uh, written so much about it. He actually started as a pastor for over 25 years. That's where he learned leadership. Highly recommend anything he, he writes or, or listen to, anything that he teaches. John Maxwell put it this way, people have uphill hopes and downhill habits. That's why it hurts. Because we have all these hopes, but most of our habits aren't going to get us to where we want to go. People have uphill hopes and downhill habits. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 tells us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. God is 
faithful. See, God doesn't waste anything in life. He takes the good things and the bad things. He takes the awesome experiences and even the plot twists and he works them together for his good. You know, couldn't help but thinking about plot twists. As my father passed away back a little over a week ago. You know, uh, mom and dad were the first ones to leave Georgia for generations. You know, I, I can go to cemetery there in Brunswick, Georgia, Palmetto Cemetery, and, and I can just see like five generations of Williamson's there. I could take you there. I could show you that their, their graves there. Now dad that'll end up being ma- buried next to my mom there. And, and, and dad was given a decision. He worked for Georgia Pacific. He was given a decision. They were going to transfer him and they said, we can transfer you to Portland, Oregon or Peekskill, New York. You decide. Mom and dad prayed about it and they felt like Peekskill, New York was where he was supposed to go instead of Portland, Oregon. He was an engineer. Never dreamed of being a pastor. Never, never, never thought, entered his mind. And when he showed up, we found a house here in Hopewell Junction. The neighbors came to welcome us and said, could you teach us the Bible? We were praying that whoever bought that house could teach us the Bible. And my dad said, he was the head deacon at the Baptist church there in Brunswick, First Baptist, and he said, I know the Bible. So I'm like, sure, let's start a neighborhood Bible study. And that, and they didn't even know at the time, that was the beginning of our church, that Bible study in 1973. Plot twist. Plot twist. And even as I've been in contact with my, my siblings that have all since moved back down to Georgia and dad had moved back down to Georgia and, and here I am, Susie and I, leaving this church that, that, that dad started, that mom and dad, he pastored for 18 years. With my brother Scott, he goes, you know the whole reason why I ever went to New York was because God wanted that church started. It had nothing to do with dad's engineering. Plot twist. Plot twist. And I'm grateful it was very difficult for my folks it was very hard but I'm grateful mom and dad embracing the plot twists of life that's why Valley Christian Church is here today that's why I'm here today and and, and just that ripple effect because of the plot twist let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faith God was faithful to my dad faithful to my mom he'll be faithful to you as well and to me too so let me end by asking two questions that I want to pray just to help apply this here's the first question what is God teaching you from your current or past plot twist see experience is nothing we don't gain wisdom from experience unless we process it so what is God teaching you from your current or your past plot twist And here's the second question I want you to think about. How would you be different if you embraced your plot twist instead of fighting it? 
How, how would your life, your perspective be different if you just said, thank you, God, I don't want to repeat it. Thank you, God, for what I went through. That you embrace that plot twist instead of fighting against it and taking on that identity of a victim. Well, I think that's enough for right now. So, so why don't you, I'm just going to invite you, would you bow your head with me and let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your word that helps make sense when things don't make sense. And God, even as we start this series this week and five messages, five weekends, Lord, we just pray your Holy Spirit would just lead us and guide us just like he did Joseph to help make sense of all the plot twists in our life that we can say just like Joseph did, Maybe others meant it for evil. But God, you have used it for my good to bring me to this place. Every twist and turn, every plot twist, you've been with me and you're here with me now. Thank you, God, for that confidence and that faith that we can have in you. In Jesus' name we pray.